Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. It's so good that you could join us. And uh, we are looking at our vision. We've been exploring this above and beyond, uh, asking God to lead us as a team, sharing some of the things we believe God's been speaking to us about. But also this is an opportunity for each and every one of us to prayerfully ask God, what are you asking of me, of us, of our family, and how we are to respond in terms of our giving, in terms of our time, and in terms of our commitment. And we're so encouraged by all that God is doing. And we're so grateful for everyone here online, across all our locations, who, who you are giving so generously, radically. You're serving, you're praying uh, and partnering with us in trying to outwork this vision of being light for the city. So we're so grateful, but we're also so incredibly grateful to God for the, all that he's doing. And our amazing comms team, who do such an incredible job, have put together a little video just looking back at all that God has done over the last year. If you haven't already, when you leave today, grab one of these, a publication that just shares some of the stories, the testimonies, all the activity that we've been involved in over the last year, all that God's doing. So we're going to watch this video just as a way of worshipping and thanking God for all that he's done throughout the last year. Let's watch this. Seven years ago, when we first planted Gastry Church, we sensed God give us this vision to be light for the city. We passionately believe that in order to see this vision become a reality, it will require every one of us to play our own unique part. In March last year, when we first launched Above and Beyond, we saw it as this key moment to gather the church around this vision to be light for the city and to articulate where we felt God was leading us into this next chapter of the story that God is writing in and through Gastry Church. We were blown away by how many of you responded to that invitation with faith and obedience and generosity, even against the backdrop of economic pressure and uncertainty. Here's a glimpse into how your generosity and God's faithfulness has been transformed into tangible ways that this vision is becoming a reality. Last year, we specifically highlighted three areas that we felt God leading us to grow in. Firstly, planting churches and new locations. We know that when we resource and commission a new church plant or location, it leads to new opportunities for people to find faith in Jesus for the first time and to find family. In May, we officially launched Gas Street South. Since then, we see about 200 people connecting in on a Sunday, including 50 kids and youth. As well as those who have moved across from Central, this also includes people who have returned to faith and those who have given their lives to Jesus for the first time at Gas Street South. In January, Katie and Ed Stott led a team to plant into Christchurch Summerfield. 130 people, mostly those from the local community, attended the launch and already signs of new life are beginning to spring up. Our second area of focus was the emerging generations. 
Some of the statistics around the numbers of children and young people who attend church in the UK regularly are seriously bleak. And yet we also know that statistically, most people make the decision to follow Jesus when they are under the age of 18. It's critical that we invest in this demographic and see the tide turned. And the vision for Worship For Everyone is to do just that. Over the last 12 months, we wanted to expand our focus, not just to those children and young people that attend Gastry on a Sunday, but primarily into local schools. We're now regularly sending teams into schools, as well as creating resources and writing songs that can easily be used in a school context. As well as this, we've led multiple holiday clubs for local school children. We've also seen significant growth and life within our gastry youth and student ministries here at home. The third area of focus over the last 12 months has been Love Your Neighbour. We've now grown to 18 streams of support offered through Love Your Neighbour, including our food bank and our community shop, debt counselling, English classes, parenting courses, a community choir and many more. One of the new streams this year has been to create a hub for refugees. This was specifically in response to the money that you gave to stand alongside those fleeing the war in Ukraine. Love Your Neighbour has also been featured in The Guardian newspaper and on the BBC One show. In addition to these three areas of focus, there have also been many encouraging stories of growth, life and transformation across all aspects of church life. The international community continues to grow and thrive and provide opportunities for people to find connection and friendship and new life in Jesus. Our church is continuing to grow in diversity with now 43 different nations represented. We also continue to resource the wider national church through ministries like Gas Street Music and The Orchard and Worship for Everyone. As we look back, we are so grateful to God for his faithfulness and provision. He has used your costly generosity and commitment and multiplied it in order that we might see vision become reality. So encouraging, isn't it? Let's just give a thanks to God for all that he's done, all that he's doing. so grateful for his leadership. It has been a really amazing year. Uh, from this point uh, compared to last, this time, same time last year, as a church across our different locations, we've grown by 33%. So 33% growth. And we've uh, seen 183 people say yes to Jesus. We've had the joy of baptizing 95 people. Uh, we've currently 185 people on Alpha exploring faith. I mean, it's just wonderful. You have to pinch yourself that we get to be a part of this. And as Rach mentioned in the video, we've been focusing a lot on church planting and locations. If you remember back in January 2022, we planted um, Lighthouse Church in um, Pipe Hayes, north of the city. And this big barn of a building that was pretty much empty. There's a beautiful uh, congregation who's still worshipping, um, but, but very small. And they just didn't have the resources or the energy to keep the building going and to do mission. And so they reached out and asked, would we 
consider planting. And, and so um, back in January, we sent about 40 people with Trev and Cat Mearden. And now on an average Sunday, there are 130 adults worshipping and 50 children and young people gathering. And there's this amazing story that came in. Someone said, I suffered abuse for many years, both physically and mentally at the hands of my family. God stepped into my life through a housemate who told me about Jesus. I'd been crying out to my own gods, but they never answered and brought healing. Having walked past the building many times when it was empty, I decided to come along. After the first few gatherings, I received prayer, wept, and knew I had found home. God is still healing my wounds slowly and gently, but I thank God for this church. That's why we're passionate about planting because there is this empty, pretty much building that people are walking past. And now when people walk past, they're drawn in. There's a people of hope. There's a people of worship. There's a people of God's presence. God is doing something in that church which had become an empty building, a relic suddenly is a place of light and hope and blessing. And we need to see that all across Birmingham and beyond. We need to see that all across the UK as we awaken ourselves to the reality that God is wanting to use us to bring about His kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're believing for. And that's why we're passionate about church planting. A leadership expert researched church movements. Uh, he said this, Peter Wagner, church planting is the most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven. And I believe that. We've seen, as we've planted churches, we've seen leaders being mobilised. You know, we believe that God has called and anointed and appointed you to carry His light into your places of work, but also to be part of a community and a church that encourages one another. And when we've planted, we've seen amazing leaders suddenly being raised up. We don't want you to get comfortable. We don't want you to get stuck. We don't want you to sit on your gifts. And often church planting creates more space for people to lead worship, to lead kid ministries, to preach, to help think through strategically, to help oversee govern, governance and finances, all of these important things. But the second reason we're so passionate about planting is because it's one of the most effective ways of reaching new people with the gospel. And we're seeing that. We're seeing new people come to faith across all these plants. This is a slide I want you to look at, which just shows. So we planted Gastry. We opened up the doors here February 2016, seven years ago. And we were connected straight away with a church called St. Luke's, which is now uh, part of our location. So it's one church, uh, now over three sites. So St. Luke's also became part of the story 2016. And then in 2017, we, we planted a church in Coventry, St. Mark's Coventry, Phil and Rachel Atkinson, and we sent a team of about 30 plus people. And that's grown. Amazing life. Things happening. And out of that now, in 2021, they planted St. Peter's Hillfields. And in 2022, they planted Risen Christ Wyken. 
Back in 2018, we had this amazing couple, Bjorn and Inge, come to us from the Netherlands to be trained up and equipped. We sent them out. And now uh, there's an amazing church, Hansekirk, meeting every Sunday throughout the week to carry the gospel. In 2019, Chris Mitten uh, was part of our team for 18 months. And then a team of about 40 people started Anchor Church, which initially meant in the jewelry quarter. They're currently looking at a new place to worship. But so much life. 2022, uh, uh, Lighthouse Church was planted, which we just talked about in Pipe Hayes. And then just a few weeks ago, we started and planted Christchurch Summerfield with Katie and Ed Stock. And obviously, the start of 2022, we launched Gas Street South as a new location. So seven years ago, none of this was happening. But now, across our city and beyond, and a random place in the Netherlands, Nijmegen, there are people worshipping together, lifting high the name of Jesus, and carrying the light into the community, praying and believing that God is going to bring about change. That's what we're about. And you begin to imagine over the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, dozens, dare I say, hundreds of plants of churches seeking to bring about God's kingdom. That's why we're passionate about planting and we're going to keep doing it. But the other thing is, love your neighbour. It's been amazing just to see all that God's doing. Some highlights over the year, 140 people now every Thursday receive a weekly shop, the community shop, for £3. They get their week's worth of shopping. And it's just amazing to be able to love people in that way. We've seen through Christians Against Poverty 147 debts removed. We've been able to serve 63,000 meals to people in need. And through all the various streams of Love Your Neighbour, we've engaged with 2,912 children just serving and loving and partnering. And The Guardian wrote an article on all that God was doing um, through Love Your Neighbour at St. Luke's. And there's a lady called Linda who they interviewed, and she said this. She said, before discovering this place, St. Luke's, I was living paycheck to paycheck and my mental health was atrocious. I feel like I've met family here. I've come home. Isn't that amazing? Both the testimonies, they use that phrase, I've come home. That's what we're doing. We're extending a place of home, a family. We're welcoming in people who are desperately lonely, desperately hurting desperately looking for deeper purpose and meaning in life. And your generosity, your willingness to stand and welcome people as they come in. It's not just a job we need to get done to serve a coffee. You're creating home. Creating home is one of the most important things. And we need more of you to help create home, to love people, to welcome people, to look out for those sitting on their own, to take the time to care and listen. Because when we do, people will experience the love of Jesus through you. Don't sit back. Get involved. Help us be a part of this adventure. Back in uh, March 2022, we said that the giving throughout above and beyond, 10% would be given to help the situation in the Ukraine. And we've been able to do that. But one of the key strategic things we've done is we've appointed a refugee hub manager. 
a lady called Mickey Driva. And through that ministry, we've been able to throw a, a Ukrainian New Year's party. We've been able to give out Christmas bags of kindness for Ukrainian hubs around Birmingham. There's a regular coffee mornings now where we're engaging with families. And through that, a whole bunch of them are now using our community shop on Thursdays. We're running English conversation classes on Monday evenings and looking to start a new one during the day. And suddenly, over the last few months, we've been able to really get alongside and serve Ukrainian refugees, but also other refugees within our city. And we're excited and so glad that we get to do that. And then the other area of ministry we talked about was the emerging generation, which now comes under the banner, Worship for Everyone. Statistically, we know in the city of Birmingham, less than 300 children, that's those under the age of 16, less than 300 children attend a Church of England church. But we know that 200,000 children in Birmingham attend a school. Just let the horror of that statistics hit you. 300 children are attending a Church of England church of 200,000 in our city. That is one of the most terrifying things. And we cannot accept that. We cannot just manage decline. We need to be praying like crazy as a church, repenting for where we've just got it so wrong, but also resourcing and sending teams out. One of the things we, we want to do, and we've been doing, and Nick and Becky Drake are amazingly leading the way, but we want to see more teams partnering and serving in local schools, assemblies, lessons, clubs, mentoring structures. You know, during some of the holidays throughout the year, we've been able to, at St. Luke's, throw kids' clubs. Back in August, four weeks, we threw a kids club with 111 children attending we could feed them we could love them we could build a relationship with them and that's what we need to do more of we need to mobilize more people into more schools so that we can go and share the love of Christ in those places and build partnerships and serve the schools in our city and we're encouraged again by what we're seeing here as a church but there's more Next weekend, 72 young people are going away for a weekend away. We need to pray that the fire of heaven falls on them. I want to encourage you, commit. What if we all prayed five minutes a day for every young person to have a radical encounter with Jesus that changed their lives forever, that made TikTok look like the biggest waste of time when you could spend time praying for people, worshipping, reading the Bible. We need to take responsibility. We're sleepwalking to an absolute generational tragedy. And you might not have young people. You might not know many young people, but you can pray. And I want to say, we got to wait waking up. We are sleepwalking to death. And we need to pray for a move of God amongst our young people, amongst our children. You know, over our three locations, we now have 110 children who meet on a Sunday under the age of 11, which is incredible. But we long for more and we long that they can be loved and served and encouraged and discipled and mobilized and empowered. But we've got to love them. We've got to serve them. Get on a kids team. Come on, let's serve. Let's play our part and let's pray. Students, we're seeing so many students coming along. It's incredible what God is doing amongst Gen Z at the moment. 
There's a moment something's happening. We've got to jump on it. So all that's happening is incredible. And we're so grateful to you for serving and giving, and investing. But we believe there's more. There's above and beyond. And just practically, just to share briefly where our giving is going. Um, I say our giving because we all give. Um, a little pie chart. I hope you love a pie chart. Uh, 16% of our giving goes on discipleship. That's gastric groups, it's courses, it's training, it's pastoral care, it's the international community who we love. 75 me on a Wednesday night, and they're the best. It's Gastric Academy, we're trying to invest in leaders of the future. 16% of our um, expenditure. 15% is on love your neighbour and mission. Everything we're doing is we've talked about to serve our city. There's a 2% that goes on a loan that we still have remaining on this building. 32% on operations and buildings. You know, we allow one church over three sites, so that's increased some of those costs. And obviously costs have gone up. We also did some building work at the back to create more space for kids groups and youth. Then 23% on Sundays, events, comms, everything we do to gather, everything online. And we love our online community. And I, I met a couple on Friday night who've been worshiping with us online and came to the building for the first time from Derby. And just it's so exciting to hear people meeting with God online. And we we're glad to invest in that. There's things we put on for Christmas, Easter, baptisms, all the worship, production, the orchard, all of these things we're investing in. And then finally, worship for everyone, 12%, all that we're doing amongst children, youth, students, and schools. So that's where our money is going. And what we're going to do is, as everyone leaves today, you're going to be given an envelope, it's a giving envelope. And we want you to take it home. And we want everyone to pray this week, God, what are you asking of me in terms of my giving? Now, for some of you, it might be God says, why don't you explore increasing your regular giving? For others of you, it might be you want to give a one-off gift. Maybe you've had a great bonus, you've sold a house or a business, you've inherited some money, whatever it is. You want to give a one-off gift towards all that God is doing. And then for others of you, maybe you've been a part of this church for a little while, but you haven't quite got round to setting up regular giving. You know, it's one of those things that just keeps slipping your mind. Um, what if you got on it this week? You said, okay, actually, this feels like home. I want to commit to this being home, and I want to start my, my giving regularly. And we believe God's going to use that powerfully. Currently 386 people give regularly. I'd love to see that smash through the 400 barrier, get closer to 450. And even if it's the tiniest amount a month, it's a sign of I've got skin in the game. I'm in. I want my money to be used to see about God's kingdom come. So I'm asking you to pray that through. And This has got to be a spirit-inspired thing, not a manipulated thing. That's why you're going to pray and do whatever God asks you to do. But before we close, I just want to take a few moments just to reflect on one small passage of Scripture that we've been praying through, looking to, feel God's been speaking to us about. And it's a moment in Exodus where Moses is in a conversation with God, Yahweh. And Moses has been up on Mount Sinai. And he's having this extraordinary encounter with God. And God gives him the Ten Commandments, this 
pattern, this way of living that God wants to honour and said is the right way for his people to live. And so it's this incredibly holy moment. And as Moses is in Mount Sinai, the people of Israel are waiting for him. But they're getting bored, they're getting concerned, they're not quite sure what's going on. And so what they do is this, they take all their gold, all their ornaments, and they melt it down and they build for themselves a golden calf, an idol. And they begin to worship this idol. And it's this devastating, tragic moment because it's like they... They couldn't wait for God any longer. They didn't understand what was going, so they made something in their own ways. They, they kind of this, made an image and they set up a way of worshipping that felt right for them. And they sang and they sacrificed and they did all these worship practices that they'd been instructed by God to do. But at the centre of it wasn't Yahweh. It was this golden calf. And you remember that God had recently miraculously rescued them out of captivity and slavery in Egypt, led them into freedom. And so quickly they could forget all of that and start worshipping an idol. And Moses is coming down the mountain and he hears the sound of singing and his heart breaks because he realises that worship is misdirected. And he drops the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets, and they shatter and the people of Israel realised just how far they'd fallen short. They realised just what a terrible sin they'd committed. They'd rejected God and they'd worshipped a foreign idol and they're deeply distressed. And Moses pleads with God, Lord, have mercy. God's anger is burning against them. And God says, look, I will allow you to go into the promised land this land flowing with milk and honey in abundance and blessing, but I will not go with you. My presence is not going to go with you. You can have everything you thought you needed, but you won't have me. And we read that the Israelites are heartbroken. They're deeply distressed. They mourn because they realise you can have everything the world has to offer, but if you don't have the presence of God, you've got nothing. You can live in the biggest of houses. You can go on the best of holidays. You can have the fanciest of cars. You can have huge savings in your accounts. You can have the best job in the eyes of the world. But if you don't know Jesus, you have nothing. And Moses pleads with God. And eventually God relents. He says, okay, I'll go with you. And in Exodus 33, verse 13, we read this. Moses says, If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone else know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? I've called this message today, With Us. Because this is the key, that in everything we do, may we know that God is with us that God goes with us. I believe one of our greatest 
dangers as a community, as a church, is within all the busyness, all the growth, all the momentum is that we continue to step out in our own strengths, our own giftings, our own talents, and we fail to have this ruthless, passionate heart cry of, God, if you don't go with us, we have nothing. What else would distinguish us from the face of other people on the earth? And Moses' cry, this longing for God's presence, it wasn't just this super spiritual, feel-good, emotional high, the pursuit of an experience that we often get on. This hunger for God's presence was birthed out of repentance and confession, realising how far they'd fallen short, how deeply they'd sinned. This was a moment of consecration, for the people of Israel, where they realize if God's presence doesn't go with us, we're broken, we're lost. Repentance is what happens when we realize, truly realize that we are shipwrecked without God. Repentance is when in the light of God's beauty and presence, we're suddenly aware of our selfishness, our greed, our pride. And suddenly we feel this deep conviction before the holiness and otherness of God. Repentance is when we come back to the place where Jesus is first and only. He is the highest point in our lives. He's our centre. He's the foundation. And everything that gets in the way is removed. But repentance leads us into liberation. And that's why repentance is so important. The Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Why? Because when we repent, when we get right with God, we're free. We live boldly, abundant, joy-filled lives. We really get right perspective and right thinking on what it means to live as a follower of Christ. And I believe God is leading His church into deeper repentance. You may have heard of something that's been going on in Asbury, Kentucky, America, an outpouring of God's Spirit in a, on a campus, this tiny, small uh, Christian campus. And on the 8th of February, it was a Wednesday morning, they met for chapel. Very normal, nothing particularly special about this chapel service. But at the end, 19 students just stayed back and continued to pray and worship. But as they were praying and worshipping, over the space of an hour, God's Spirit began to fall upon them in a more powerful way. And then spontaneously, other students from around the campus, it was sort of in lectures or coffee bars, suddenly felt this conviction, this sense of being compelled to get to the chapel and to join in. And what happened is, more and more students began to gather, and off the back of that, for two solid weeks, day and night, 24-7, students were worshipping Jesus Christ. And of course, when something starts happening, a move of God, word spreads. And over the space of those two weeks, it's estimated that 70,000 people descended on Asbury from all over the world to be a part of this worship that was led by these students now, Kentucky and well, Asbury is tiny. It's got one coffee shop. And it led to the whole uh, community being in an absolute gridlock. 
but God was doing something. But one of the key distinct markers of this move of God was repentance. Apparently in the first day at one point, this young woman stands up in front of her peers and she screams, if I've offended you, I'm so sorry. Will you give me a chance to offer you an apology personally? She went on to say, my parents are both alcoholics. They're going through a divorce. A little while ago, I tried to commit suicide and I failed. And I can't do this life anymore without God and without you. Will you forgive me? And then apparently she collapsed to the floor. And all these students began to gather around her and pray for her and love her. But it triggered deep repentance amongst many of the students. Publicly, they began to confess their sins to one another. And you see videos, the kind of the front, the altar, just scores of people coming to the front, kneeling face down, repenting, getting right with God, suddenly being so aware of the darkness within them. The sin that we have so easily tolerated, that we've accepted and become comfortable with, but in the presence of a holy God, suddenly there's awareness of God, have mercy, forgive me. But also, God, I want to be free. I want to be free. That There's a prayer that's often been prayed. Um, throughout this move, some of the students wrote it, and it just cut me to the quick. It said this, Forgive us for tolerating the talented who have no walk with you, the gifted who have voices of angels, but none of the angels know them. Oh, can you hear the overtones of the cry of Moses? God, unless your presence goes with us. We have nothing. Do not send us out of here. If we step out in our gifting, in our talents, with our resources, if we think for a moment that our preaching or our worship or our programs or our publications or our videos or our people can in any way bring about radical transformation, we've got it horribly wrong because that won't distinguish us from other people. Our great gifts won't, but it's the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit upon us, in us, working through us that begins to bring hope to a people in desperate need. God, would you go with us? Another mark of this move has been an aching hunger for God's presence. Just a deep desire to spend time with Him. There's been no hype next to no production. Lots of silence as people have gathered. All these famous worship leaders and preachers have offered their services and these amazing students have said, no, don't worry, we've got this, thank you very much. And what's been so special is it's a move amongst students. A generation, again, that is just absent from the church. A generation, and I have to confess, where sometimes I've got frustrated, you know, the snowflake generation. Forgive us for looking down on them. Could it be that they're going to be the ones that show us where we've got things horribly wrong? What it means to give up everything, to run away from comfort, just to know Jesus more. And we're beginning to see this. I believe here, slowly, 
but in a beautiful way. I'll ask for your staff meetings. Being interrupted by just the joy of being in God's presence. It's like, don't want to go anywhere else. Such a strong sense of God being with us. At our 6 p.m. the last few weeks, we've gone over a couple of weeks ago. We've been worshipping for nearly four hours. Still people here just longing to be with God. And just for a lot of it, we cut the band and people just singing out. Just amazing sense of God's closeness. Ali Herbert, one of our associate vicars, she was, um, felt God woke her up in the night last week. She felt God give her these words. She scribbled them down. You can see I couldn't read her writing, so <laughs> she wrote that out for me. But she felt God say, make space and I will come. I'm awakening in a need and an awareness of a hunger for prayer, my presence. I'm waiting and I'm ready. Next week, Rachel is going to share some of the exciting things we really feel God's called us to. So you don't want to miss that. But this is, I think, a significant moment for us as a church. I believe it could be a bit of a hinge moment into deeper impact within the city. But before we do anything, before we go anywhere, before we even consider planting a church, launching a conference, doing anything, we need to understand that God, unless you're with us, we're not going anywhere. We'll give up everything just to know you more closely, more dearly. God, please be with us. God, please go with us. Because our efforts will come to so little without his presence with us. Jesus understood this. I'll end with this. Jesus speaking to the disciples. He gathered them, he trained them, and he was sending them out to really see the early church explode into life. And he says this, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And this is the promise. It was promised to us. Jesus says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He promises. He promises to go with us. We don't have to work it up. We don't have to behave. We don't, it's not about, right, if you give X, then he'll release Y. He promises that if we ask, he will come. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.